Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Sakun Wong, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me, as always, is senior staff writer, as well as pro football focus and fantasy pros contributor, Ryan Whitfield. Hey, Ryan. Welcome to version 2.0 of our uh, podcast. Clearly, no one will be listening in because I had to completely change the link in order to get us up and running again. But hopefully, everyone will download and listen after the fact. How you doing, man? Oh, hanging in. Uh, wild couple weeks, so just uh, oh, yeah. nothing feels settled. So yeah, we had to bump this up a little bit because I uh, have to run to a cookout for the Derby and for the Bruins oh. game five tonight. So, dude, I was gonna ask you that question because when you said when you said you wanted to six, I'm like, did you share the Derby the six fifty? It's pretty darn close. And uh, I got my picks in. You got your picks in? Um, no, not yet. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna scramble and get get something <laughs> on the board after we get out of here. We uh, hey, no, 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 we were, like we were just gonna. Yep. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a real pro's pro. You know, I want to see what the track looks like right right up until. I want to make sure that no one gets any kind of late illnesses or anything like that. Right. No no jockey falls off just before. Sure. Yeah, so, you know, I want to make sure I got it in at the last second. But, no, we were we were just going to watch it at home. But uh, we were at my son's baseball game, and one of uh, one of the other dads, who's one of my friends who coaches, uh, decided at the last second to throw together a barbecue. So we found out about this at about 4.30. So, um, yeah, came home, asked you to move this time up so I can get on the road and go over to the cookout. So here we are. Hey, man, I'm happy to help as long as you get, if I get you to a cookout early and you get a chance to watch, watch the derby with a beer in your hand, I feel like I've done my job. That's all I'm saying. And then we got, and then like more importantly, we got, we got Bruins game five at 715. So, well, yeah, that, so more importantly for you guys up there in, in Boston, but Hey, I, I got my eyes on that too. I got my eyes on that. I'm, it's shaping up to be a really interesting Stanley Cup run for a lot of different teams. So I will certainly keep that in mind. And I'll just tell everybody my little tip, code of honor. He's a 14 to one. I, I like him coming into this uh, the show. So just FYI, a little bit of extra benefit if you actually manage to find us before the Derby. Anyway, <laughs> we got a lot to talk about. So let's go ahead and get to it. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, a bunch of the draft picks, best or and worst of the uh, first round, and the rest of the post first day draft picks, and of course our favorite and least favorite UDFA signings. But I, I think we really only need to talk about the favorites there, and then some fantasy football stuff. Because, heck, everybody plays fantasy football. Let's get rolling. All right. So since Joey decided to bail on us today because of, I don't know, some tests he got to study for, let's go ahead and talk about Daniel Jones really quickly because I knew that he would probably want to say a couple words about him. I know that he was the top of my list when we talked about worst draft picks for uh, the first round. He was actually in the mix. I decided to go with somebody else. I know you went with somebody else as well, but let's just very briefly touch on him. Um, everyone knows, of course, that he was selected six overall by the Giants. They passed up on two quarterbacks that most draft analysts had ahead of him in Dwayne Haskins and Drew Locke. And, of course, Drew Locke took all the way to the second round. Now, Daniel Jones was a three-year starter at Duke. He had solid mechanics. He's only averaged about 6.4 yards per attempt over his career there. Uh, in his last season, 2018, junior year season, he completed uh, 237 of 392 passes for a 60.5% uh, completion percentage for 2,674 yards, 22 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Um, and, of course, he was the uh, winning quarterback of the Senior Bowl because that seemed to be a trend for the Giants. So let's, uh, I'm going to toss it over to you for a second, Ryan. What are your thoughts? Just, you know, quick, quick hits here. What do you think about Daniel Jones? 
I have no issue with identifying your guy and going after him. If Daniel Jones was their only first round pick and that was mm-hmm. the guy they deemed was the next quarterback of the future, then fine. Right. It, it is, it is strictly a value argument. And uh, it was interesting. One of my, I, I listen to several, there's several podcasts I have on repeat. Um, yep. And I'm just, I'm a huge Florio fan. So, and you know, being a former lawyer, I'm sure, uh, makes him uh, one of your favorites. But uh, Florio, <laughs> PF, uh, Pro Football Talk is one of the best podcasts. I just think Florio is one of the more measured, well-put-together guys in the league. Um, and, and he brought up a really good point, a very probably lawyer-like point that I hadn't thought of. Um, he might have had an inclination that the Redskins and the Broncos were interested in going to get Daniel Jones uh, before right. him. But the right. fact that he came out and said unequivocally he knew that they were going to take him, tells you he didn't know anything because right. it's so over the top speak. It's him trying to justify it. And to the point that like, you can't believe the statement on, on any level. And so it was mm-hmm. a point that I hadn't thought of before. I was like, Oh, he's overselling it. But again, Florio's contention is the fact that he's trying to tell you he knew for a fact when, unless he was in the room, he didn't know for a fact, they might've told him that to put some pressure on him to mess with him uh, to get him to pull the trigger on him early. But right. he didn't know for a fact. And so it's a thing that like, I don't know. You try to take him at, at pick 17. It, 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 even at that, I still didn't love it, but I understood right. it um, right. more. A top, he's just not a top 10 pick. This this reeks to me to, uh, of Blake Bortles, of uh, Blaine Gabbert, you know, one of these yeah. guys. Down class, overextend for somebody. Right. And, you know, I, as, much, as I watch more and more film, I'm not really in love with any of the quarterbacks in this draft, um, right. least of all Daniel Jones. So I think, you know, I forget who said it. It might've been as much as I hate this guy, Colin Cowherd made a funny point that like last year was the year to get a quarterback. They go running back this year was to go to any other position. They go quarterback, you know, like (laughs) you had two high end picks, two top 10 picks the last two years. And somehow you come away with, you know, you you didn't get any of those guys last year. And and now, so now you're building around Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. And if you know how I value the running back position, um, you know how I I feel about that coming as as back to back drafts. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and I think that, you know, Maybe he tops out at an Alex Smith level, uh, maybe, and um, but I think he's more like a Ryan Tannehill level. I, I just don't. I'm not thrilled with him. I mean, quite frankly, he uh, he barely made 60% of his passes against the worst pa- pass defenses he uh, he faced, and only four, 54% against those that were the best pass defenses he faced. Like I mentioned before, he only had a 6.4 yard per attempt um, uh, average, which is pretty low, meaning that. He's just not going downfield. He's checking down a lot. He does have an okay arm, but his arm strength is definitely a big question. He floated balls all over the place in the senior bowl, um, and his decision-making can get him in trouble. He tends to try to get into those tight spots, and he doesn't have the arm power to get there, uh, and it causes a lot of interceptions. He has a two-to-one touchdown-interception ratio across his career. It's just not really – it's not impressive. He, he may be good, but the way I see it is maybe the way you see it in some ways – if they had waited for 17 and got him there, great, fine. You know, I if that's the guy you want, that's the guy you want. But at six overall, you really didn't need to do that. You really didn't need to pull the trigger. That 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 didn't make any sense. Or at least trade back then. If you knew that you wanted Daniel Jones, trade out of the six, go back and get some other draft assets and take Jones later. Because frankly, I there's no, I just didn't think there was a credible chance that he was going to go uh, before 17. And certainly, if you trade back, you could even get get him in the later end of the first half. So anyway. That's what we got. That's what we got on Daniel Jones. Uh, we can dump on him all we want, but I guess that I want to at least touch on that because I know that was the talk of the town when it comes to bad draft picks. So let's move on and uh, hit the bell on that one and talk about our personal 
favorites and least favorites in the first round. Let's start with you, Ryan. Why don't you tell us what's your what do you think was the best first round draft pick this year? So thanks for subtly correcting me there. Daniel Jones was six. I told you I'm I'm out of it. Um, <laughs> but and again, I, I just want to reiterate that. I just reiterate that if they had the if they had the sixth and the thirty eighth pick, if they had no other first round pick and they take them, I, I take that pick completely differently because he's probably not going to fall to you in the second round. But the fact you had two right. top twenty picks, you just don't take that with the first one. I digress. I uh, my favorite pick was, and this one, I mean, there wasn't anything in the first round that I thought like, whoa, that was a huge steal. There was a couple in the second and third rounds that I really loved that we'll talk about in a few. Um, so yep. that said, that's a long way of setting up that the guy I'm taking was the guy that I had projected to go number three overall, and he only fell right. to seven, but it's Josh Allen. And yeah. I just love I just love what the Jaguars did here when they looked at it. And like, pass rusher is certainly not a need for them, but when a guy like Josh Allen falls to you at seven, you go, all right, well, screw our board, screw our knees. We're going to take this guy, and if we're going to trade somebody to fill a hole somewhere else later, you yep. know, if we're going to get rid of uh, – uh, in Gogway or whatever his name is, you know, somebody like that, that, you know, it's extendable. We can do that. But like, this is, this is a top, like I said, a top three talent in this draft at worst, a top five falls to you down at seven. You're a good defensive team. You kind of look like you fix some of the stuff on offense, you know, um, as far as the quarterback positions, more stabilized than it's been. So, you know, I think this was a, a really, really good pick by, by Jacksonville. Um, yep. Josh Allen, he might be my favorite pass rusher in the draft. And I caught a lot of slack on this in uh in the the whatever the pre like in my mock drafts because i i didn't have uh jesus i am drawing blanks today the alabama <laughs> kid quinn williams you already start pre-gaming for the kentucky derby i kind of feel like you did i didn't now I'm, I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to search something on my computer at the same time while i'm stalling but uh <laughs> Yeah, it looks like looks like it. I I just got done playing a rousing game of floor hockey with uh with my with my son, so I'm I'm a little bit hurt right now. But anyways, right. um, give me a pass. Yeah, he, he he wore me out, but I, I, I did win, so that's always good. But uh no, um I'm not a big Quinn Williams fan because I don't I don't I don't highly value that position. So yeah. I, I look at it and say he might have been you know, Bose is definitely number one, but I don't think that Josh Allen's that far off. So to get him where you got him at seven, yeah. I think is a really, really good pick. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, and this is the thing I was stalling. Cause again, I was, I was in Punta Cana during the draft. So some of it, some of it, you know, you know, I was reacting the whole time via our, yeah. our chat messages on Twitter, but it wasn't very coherent, <laughs> but this is what yeah, I wanted to make well, sure. And a lot of my, in a lot of my mock drafts, I had Jawan Taylor going to Jacksonville in the first yep. round, and I know he has injury concern. He fell all the way to them in second, uh, the second round. Their biggest need is offensive line, so they still ended up filling that anyways and got Josh Allen, which makes me like yeah. the Josh Allen pick even more. So I right, found right. it. That's what I was trying to say. I'm still recovering from the DR. Excuse me. <laughs> I actually felt the same way about uh, how it worked out for the Bills, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, so my favorite first-round pick, I have the same feeling that you did. There wasn't a guy in the first round I said, oh, my gosh, that's great. Uh, they really knocked it out of the park there. Um, I had more – I thought about some of the later picks that I, I was more passionate about uh, how, how much good value they got there. But in the first round, the pick I liked the most, I guess, is Andre Dillard uh, to the Eagles at 22. They traded up with Baltimore 
you know, the Eagles' number one objective entering the draft was that um, since Nick Foles is now gone, is to make sure that Carson Wentz stays safe. Now, Jason Peters is 37. He isn't going to be there forever. So investing in a tackle of the future was a really important thing for them to do. Uh, Dillard is among the top two offensive tackles on the draft. Uh, I thought he would go top 15, if not top 10. Slipping to 22 in my book, I think, was a steal, and the Eagles moving up to take advantage of that makes a lot of sense to me. Essentially, you know, every draft analyst out there has mentioned that Dillard's footwork and his ability to quickly transition to pass protection, you know, easily squaring off speed rushers, effectively protecting the blind side, changing direction to fight off attacking linebackers, that all that stuff really kind of built into him being a top prospect. And there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to be one. He's probably the best pass rush defender in the draft class. And he really cemented that with big time performance at the senior bowl, plus a really top notch combine performance, having the longest broad jump, the fastest 20, 20 yard shuttle, the second fastest three cone drill and the fourth best 40 yard dash amongst all offensive linemen. So I know there's some question about his strength, whether he could be a big-time run blocker or not, but that's not really the concern of the Eagles right now, and he has some time to develop. Peters is still there. Uh, he can grow into that, um, and really the, the objective was to protect, um, protect Wentz. So I, I really like Andre Dillard, particularly at 22 in the first round. So let's flip aside. Uh, let's flip around to the other side of this. Unless you have any, any thoughts on Andre Dillard at all, or you know, do, you, do you disagree with that? No, I think I think it was a good pick. I think I think the Eagles had a you know that they're they're a fortunate team that they don't have a ton of holes in their roster that they needed to fill. So right. you know, take rebuilding the next generation of offensive linemen. Um, you can never have an off, offensive lineman. So um, like you right. said, Peters is. I mean, I don't even know how long Peters has played, but it feels like Peters has played my entire <laughs> adult life. So um, yeah, yeah, and and, and the, gray, true, the gray actually. hair and his the gray hairs on his face sometimes uh, tell that. So anyway, right. I, I like Dillard. I think Dillard's a good prospect. I mean, there really wasn't, you know, it, it really was Taylor, Jonah Williams, Dillard. I mean, there was a couple guys. Um, and then what was it? Cody, uh, Cody Ford, uh, who yes. I like that one later in the draft. So there was definitely, yes. there's a couple good offensive linemen in this draft, but Dillard, you know, so I don't think Dillard's an elite talent, but I think he's a stable guy that you're going to be able to build around uh, going into the future. So I, I like the pick, um, you know, and I saw him mocked uh, up, you know, sometimes going to the Bengals at like a pick 11. So right, for him to follow right. 22 is, is definitely, a, a, and again, a good value pick. And for a team that didn't have any glaring holes, you, you're really in the four two, uh, you know, fortunate spot where you just get to pick just best available. Right, and, and really build around Carson Wentz because you really need to keep the guy healthy into the future. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and ring the bells. Let's go to the other side of the, the equation here. Worst first-round draft pick. What do you got here, Ryan? As What do you think the worst first-round draft pick was, other than Daniel Jones? We, we've already done that. <laughs> Cleveland Farrell. Um, yep. <laughs> yep. And, and again, the reaction just, to that was crazy. I mean, people were, like, flipping out. Like, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, just, it's just as easy as – evaluating talent or talking value again. I mean, and here's a team that they had, you know, a multitude of picks in the first round. Yeah. And all you, all you have to do is go look at our mock draft article. We did whatever, two weeks ago now and see my yep. write up on Cleveland Farrell to see how much I like him as a player. Mm-hmm. But, but I took a, but I had him going to the Seahawks at pick whatever, 22, 23, whatever it was, you know, right. he's not, he's not a top five pick. And, right. and so God, I just, you know, when you when you really look at it, because you know, I, I heard another, another reference in another podcast. I'm giving a lot of way, a lot of podcast uh, free promotions today. But um, <laughs> stick to football, which is the fleet, 
Bleacher Report, it's uh, Matt Miller and Mello and then Connor. I forget Connor's last name, but it's all the guys from Bleacher Report. They're, they do a lot of draft work there. If you if you want to know going into the draft, if you want to know, I mean, they've already, they're already putting out their top 25 big board for next year's draft. So that's the kind of extensive work these guys do on the, on the college yep. guys going into the NFL. Love them with all due respect. Mello, I think was, I think it was Mello who, when they, they, they all said who their favorite draft was this year, he took the Raiders. And I just, I couldn't disagree more. And, and, yeah. and I don't mind Cleveland Farrell. I, again, not even don't mind. I really like him, but just not there. I would have liked right. it. I'd have, I'd have respected it more if they take if they take him as a second pick. I mean, honestly, and you know I hate running backs in the first round. I th- yeah. I, I think I probably would have liked it better if they went Josh Jacobs at the number four for pick, and then went <laughs> right. and then went Cleveland Farrell with yep. the twenty fourth. I just he just was there was no danger of him going there. Yeah, there was none. There was a chance that, was that he was going to fall out of the out of the first round altogether. So yep. I just I don't understand the pick. I do understand it. Uh, Gruden's an idiot. And yep. Mike Mayock is the guy who once said Ryan or, or uh, Ryan Mallet had a was showing arm strength that popped at, at a Patriot <laughs> practice. So those are the guys evaluating talent right now right in, uh, in Oakland, sending home their scouts and just it's just yeah, a mess. That was so crazy. yeah, I, I hate Cleveland Farrell. That was that was a terrible pick in my opinion. I to- totally agree with that. I couldn't agree more um, because and because I knew you were picking him and I knew that we we're going to talk Daniel Jones. I went to my third worst uh, favorite pick. Um, and the thing is that this wasn't terrible. I just thought it wasn't great value, and it didn't really address team needs. I'm I got, I'm talking about Rashawn Gary, who went to the Packers at number 12. You know, I had pegged the Packers' greatest need is making sure Aaron Rodgers had everything he needed to be successful next season because the clock is ticking on this offense. So getting him weapons or shoring up the offensive line seems to be the priority entering the draft. And in my, in our mark draft, I prioritize tight end and wide receiver, inside linebacker, and the offensive line for the Packers. But that isn't at all how it went with the Packers, as they decided to take an outside linebacker slash defensive tackle in Rashawn Gary. And, and Gary has some outstanding measurables, uh, but nothing about his career at Michigan, which was mostly at the defensive tackle position, by the way, suggests to me that he's going to be a big difference maker in the NFL. I'm sure he'll be solid, but it just nothing pops out as being a really you know, um, fearful pass rusher that's going to be super productive in the NFL that deserved a top 12 selection. In addition, you know, Gary's still recovering from a labrum injury, which means he was already sliding down draft boards. So was there really a danger to grab him um, at 12? No, his production on the field doesn't jump off the doesn't jump off the stat sheet. He recorded just 3.5 sacks in nine games last season as a junior. He's not great. That's not really great for an edge rusher. If that's what you want to use him for. Um, was it really necessary for him to take it to 12 overall? I really thought they could have waited till later. They did have another first round pick, uh, and they managed to trade up with it in order um, in order to, to use it elsewhere. But you know. I just think they could have taken Gary later. They could have taken somebody else at 12. I had him taking, um, you know, TJ Hawkinson. Obviously, he was off the board by then. I don't even mind Noah Fant at that point, or you know, finding finding offense, taking the best available offensive lineman at that at that point. Because really, it's all about Aaron Rodgers in my book. Um, so I, I, I'm not, I'm not down on Gary. I'm just down on Gary at that point. Uh, that's kind of my my pick. But it, yeah, like I said, he's my third least favorite uh, after Jones and Farrell, who you already pointed out. Um, any thoughts on Gary? Yeah, can you hear me? Am I on mute? Yep. No, I'm not on mute. No, um, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> so I was trying to find it real quick. I couldn't find it. There was some comp I heard recently for Rashawn Gary, which should scare that living bleep out of you if you're a Packers yeah. fan. Um, yeah. I forget I forget who it was, but I, 
I mean, everything you, uh, I'm just looking through, I was just looking through the draftnetwork.com's like pre-draft profile. Everyone's got him going in the second round. I mean, this is a guy that was faultless plummeting down draft boards as he got closer to the yep. draft. There's huge concerns. He's too light on the inside and gets beat uh-huh. up. And on the outside, he has, he's too, he has, you know, the, the evaluation is he's too lazy and doesn't have a high enough motor and gives up on yep. plays. And it's so like, all, if he beats you, right. If he beats you on an initial move, then fine, he'll go get you. But if he doesn't, he's like, ah, I'll save it for the next play. And when you move exactly. him to the inside to try to get that rush from the inside, he's just not big enough or physical enough in there. So he gets manhandled. So it's just, yeah. you could have got him way later. And I was thinking about it earlier. Um, you know, a guy who I was really down on who then ended up falling precipitously that I think would have been actually a really good fit in Green Bay that no one would have had an eye, even though it probably would have been early for him at this spot. Not probably, right. but it would have been, especially because he didn't go in the second round. Was, you know, I think the pendulum's gone too far the other way on DK Metcalf now. Yeah, DK sure. Metcalf was, sure. was, was because of that photo and then because of the combine, the 40 time, everyone started to, to lose their minds. And that was okay, but a way over, you know, way over hype and people saying he's a top 10 top five guy now and he's gonna be yep. hands on the best receiver no but he is a physical freak that can run a you know whatever it was a four four or four three forty whatever the time he posted was like ridiculous yeah, 40 right. yep. so they're about there probably isn't a better fit for him than green bay or seattle just because of those two quarterbacks that build, build uh, their ability to hit the deep ball so i'd respect that pick more you have Devontae Adams doing what Devontae Adams does underneath and then you can have dk metcalf taking the top off on the outside which is not a skill set that I particularly love in most offenses, but with Aaron Rodgers, I mean, that, that feels like Jordy Nelson on steroids to me. Yep. And so a, a pick like that, like you said, Noah Fant, I would have gone with there. I mean, just Rashawn Gary, I don't think he is, he's the ultimate dice roll because he could be an elite talent because he has the capability, but yet, so to this point, no one's been able to unlock it. So right. that's, that's, that's the major concern when it comes to, to Rashawn Gary. So I, I didn't love the pick either personally. Yeah, and I can tell you that, that the guy that I really thought would really fit in well there was uh, Hollywood Brown, Marquise Hollywood Brown. I thought that he had the kind of measurables and the kind of downfield uh, route running that would really benefit. I mean, he's a huge deep threat. Um, he was a huge deep threat in Oklahoma. I mean, he was like – you know, 132 passes, 2,413 yards, hit 18.3 yards per reception, 17 touchdowns. He could be that guy to really be a huge spark in Green Bay. And Rodgers has the arm and the arm strength and the accuracy to get it down to him. I would love to see that. I, I, you know, if, if you're at 12 and you don't see an offensive weapon you like, trade back, take Brown later. You know, I, I just think that that would have been more, that would have been better for them. But you know, hey, what, what do I know? Uh, I guess we're not running the office, but and hey, and at the end of the day, I hate the Packers anyway, right? Being a Bears fan, so more power to me in that uh, they probably didn't do a good job <laughs> getting the weapons they needed for Aaron Rodgers. All right, let's go ahead and ring the bell. Let's go on to the next one. Let's talk about um, the best first day draft pick. What do you got there, Ryan? Uh, sorry, best what day draft pick? Cut out there. Post first day. So anything post past first the first day. round. Yep. I thought you said first day, and I was like, thought we just did that, and my still yeah, broke nope. from the PR. Um, <laughs> I have not started pre-partying yet, so, yeah, we're good. But I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to party as soon as we get off the line here. So, All right, so um, this should come as no shock. Actually, no, it should come as a shock because I think I've been very fair, and, and almost every single year we've done this podcast together because the last time the Pats had a good draft was 2012, in my opinion. They, uh-huh. they really knocked it out in 2010. That was the uh, McCourty, Gronkowski, Hernandez draft. And then in 2012 yep. was Chandler Jones and Hightower in the first round. 
it has really been that long since they've had a good draft. The Patriots in the first three rounds, I think, took guys that could have gone 10 spots above on, on, on any one of their picks. Um, mm-hmm. And in the case of Chase Winovich, who's the guy I'm talking about, could have been a late second round, early third round pick. Most people had mm-hmm. him pegged as a second or third round pick, which means when you're a second, when you're a two slash three, you're usually going late second, early third. So to get him that far down in the third round, I thought was just a masterful uh, draft. And, and their offensive linemen, the two offensive linemen, they got uh, Jachusti and then the the kid from Poland or Denmark, wherever he's from, I'm not going to pronounce his name, but they made great <laughs> picks all day on, on uh, day two and three. Um, but with that said, Chase Winovich, I love Chase Winovich. I probably fell in love with him maybe a little bit too much during uh, All or Nothing series on uh, Amazon Prime, but he is a super <laughs> likable yeah. guy. He's one of these guys that he's going to be a perfect fit in New England because he, from everything you read, everything you've seen, and everything you saw in that documentary, he is a guy who just loves football, loves Breeze, eats football. He's football all the time, and those guys do well in New England. Um, he is – you know, one of the best things I read about him is it's not even a motor because motor usually refers to, like, your leg drive and you're going. Um, mm-hmm. But I read something somewhere that, you know, if you ever watch him on a play where he's not winning the hand battle, he'll slap yeah. a hand like 20 times, and he may not yeah. win it. But he's just going to keep chopping at your hands until the whistle because he did, yep. the kid has no quit. And I love that about him. And with Michael Bennett there, he doesn't have to step in and be the elite guy on the team. And honestly, with the rotation that the Patriots have, you know, the way they'll probably utilize him is he'll probably be, at least early on, a late-down specialist that can just come in, fresh legs, and give them a pass rush. So right. I like him for eight-plus sacks this year. And I know that's yeah. high, but I think sure. they're going to put him in that position just – Third down, go in there, pin your ears back, go get the guy. Um, and, again, I think he could have gone much higher on day three. And I don't think that the Patriots, given given what they have right now, I don't think they went into it saying we absolutely have to get an edge guy early. I thought linebacker was a bigger need. Um, mm-hmm. But if you really look at the Patriots draft board, wide receiver was need, but they also didn't reach for a guy. They took Nikhil Harry, who was a great pick. But uh, uh, Juwan Williams, the corner they took, I mean, corner was not a huge need. But right. he was a guy that a lot of people had picked in their top, you know, I think Pro Football Focus had him ranked in their top 30. Um, right. And of most mocks I saw him had him go early second round. So you got him around pick 45, 44, whatever it was. So you get a good yeah. value there. And then you get, you get Chase where you got him. I just thought, I just thought it was an unbelievable draft day or weekend for the Patriots. And I thought Chase Winovich was the, the pinnacle of, of that, um, you know, of, of the, of the theft that they pulled on, on last week. Yeah, to- totally agree with that. I think that, I think the Pats did have a, a relatively strong draft this time around. I actually do like um, paying up to get a good wide receiver at the end of the first round too. I think that, I know they don't, they never do that. I know Bill check doesn't do that, but you know, this is a, a truly special kid who can actually step in and be uh, important in a system which needs some targets right now. So anyway, good. I think that's a good pick. My uh, best, uh, my favorite post first day draft pick was uh, Cody Ford. The Bills, you know, they invested heavy in Josh Allen as their quarterback of the future last year, uh, and they can't expect him to be successful. He's constantly running for his life, which he was doing a lot of in his first season. So taking offensive line help was their number one priority, I thought, going into the draft. But then they passed over all the offensive line prospects in round one and took uh, defensive tackle Ed Oliver instead. And I was a little bit confused by that. But then lightning struck, and they got what I think is a top 20 offensive guard talent in Cody Ford, who somehow slipped into the second round and allow the Bills to take him at pick 38. And he's not just a guard. He has athleticism, a lot of athleticism and size and experience to also play tackle. This guy is a beast, six foot four, 329 pounds, one of the 
He was the top prospect off the Oklahoma O-line. Uh, I think he's immediately going to jump right in, solidify that right side of the Bills line. He gives Allen a chance to develop as a passer. I love this pick. I love the value. Um, I thought he would have gone in the first round. Um, so getting him at pick 38, well, I thought was magnificent for the Bills. Um, so let me uh, flip it over here and ask you about your, your least favorite pick. Was there a worse pick post-first draft day? Yeah, and and I'll say real quick just on that because I, I I touched on Cody Ford earlier. I yep. loved uh, I loved the Cody Ford pick. I I think the Bills had a kind of a suspect draft after the first two rounds, but Ed Oliver and Cody Ford in the in the top thirty eight on those two picks knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Great, yep. great, great job by by the Bills there. Um, my guy, and this is simple for me. Um, I wanted to go puncher, but since the Patriots and I'm drawing a blank on who else <laughs> drafted a puncher. Um, right. <laughs> just know that I'm very opposed. As much as I love the Patriots draft draft this year, including Jarrett Siddham, I hate that yeah. they drafted a punter. Um, and, and again, I'm drawing a blank on who else did. But I know there was another punter draft and hate it. So I went right. the other way because I could only find one, and I find this comical that the team that moved up and drafted Robert Agayu in, in the second round a couple years ago, you know, is back at it again. The Bay Buccaneers taking Matt Gay in the fifth round. Apparently, yep. apparently, drafting a kicker worked out so well the last time, just four or five years ago. Like you look, <laughs> right. you look at you look at New England, who's had two kickers what, um, since yep. since 1996. Benatari for like 10 years, and then I've had Gostowski for 12 years now. And like you know, <laughs> you could get kickers who walk on and can kick. For, for forever on your team, and the Tampa yeah. Bay Buccaneers have had to spend a top five, or, you know, has spent picks in the top five rounds twice on this uh, on this decade alone uh, on the kicker right. position. So uh, yeah. Tampa Bay, you know, I used to say Jets are going to Jets, uh, but I think they're they're getting better. So we'll we'll switch it over now. The Buccaneers going to Buccaneer, you know. <laughs> and you know what? I'll say this because I'm coming from the Bears. Obviously, kicker position is particularly sensitive for us, but we actually have right now four guys on the roster. Who, have, who total zero days of NFL experience, zero. So, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with, and, and, and let me tell you, I don't even want to tell you what their uh, kick, kick completion percentage is uh, from, uh, from, the, from college uh, were because it's not impressive. But that being said, uh, it's hard to predict if a kicker is going to do that well in the NFL. I don't mind investing draft resources into it, but this doesn't, you know, fifth round seems early. Third round was ridiculous, but fifth round seems early. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, there it is. Um, let's go ahead and flip over to the other side of the coin post-draft. Let's talk about those undrafted free agents and our favorite uh, signings there. I'm, I won't go worse because, heck, you can sign anybody you want. So who's your favorite uh, undrafted free agent signing so far? So I, I'm, I'm absolutely just like a completely terrible person. Um <laughs> <laughs> Wow, just generally speaking, that's amazing. I'm, so thank you for yeah. admitting that. <laughs> Gen- generally and on this show. Um, okay. And just, yeah, just across the board. Uh, so, okay. you know, here, here's my quick soliloquy of uh, an excuse. Um, my son had a, had a soccer game at nine. We came home. Uh, I had to do some writing, uh, some freelance writing I do. And then uh, then we had a baseball game, 230, 430. And I came home and begged you to move the podcast up. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. So I've had a super busy day, but this is even worse. It's not even that I don't have a guy. It's that I went through, I looked at some stuff quickly for about five minutes before we jumped on. I found yep. a guy, was like, all right, this is the guy. This is the one I want to talk about. This is perfect. 
And as I wrote them down and wrote down my whole couple notes on them here, I went and scrolled through and saw that you added in your our message uh, the same guy's name just last night oh, that you were going to talk David about. Phil? Are you, yes. you going to talk about David Phil's? <laughs> so I won't talk about him. I'll let you. I'll get you give your more in depth analysis. But point being. <laughs> guy who caught 15 touchdowns last year the bills don't catch touchdowns from the wide receiver position and they went and signed a bunch of midgets for a guy who could overthrow randy moss so they yeah. finally got a guy at least with a little bit of size in buffalo at six foot three so that's why i yep. went with him but i'll let you do your thing on him because uh you didn't did make him first <laughs> i love the fact that we see eye to eye on this I, I feel much better about you know i'm 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 a bit i was high on david sills like the entire off season. I mean, seriously, I, I mentioned him earlier when I talked about people that you should watch at the combine. I talked about him as a deep prospect uh, for the draft. That was good okay. Okay. Draft. We get it. We get it. You're a player evaluator. <laughs> all, right, all right. All right. I'll get, I'll get right to it. So I, so everybody <laughs> knows the story about, about Sills, right? We, everyone knows about Lane Giffen, uh, Lane Kiffin giving him a scholarship as an eighth grader. We, everyone knows about him going quarterback to wide receiver to quarterback back to wide receiver. Everyone knows that he, um, had a great career at uh, in West Virginia for the two years that he played wide receiver. That he, that as you mentioned, he had uh, those 15 touchdowns. He actually was second in the country for 15 receiving touchdowns last year. In 2017, he had the most receiving touchdowns in the nation. At 18, uh, he was um, all Ameri- He was a, a AP All American, first team All Big 12. I mean, the guy was a, the guy was great, and he was dedicated. He actually played in his 2018 bowl game, despite the fact that many others sat out to prepare for the draft. The Bills need reliable targets. Sills is uber reliable. He's the perfect security blanket for Josh Allen, and it cost the Bills nothing to get him. He was pegged as a fourth or fifth round pick in the draft, and I thought that it was even um, a little bit too late. I would have actually paid up to get someone like Sills to be my you know, wide receiver two or three. Um, and they got him for nothing. So I love him. I love him. Uh, anything you want to add on David Sills before we talk about fantasy? Nope. You stole, you stole my thunder. So <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. All right. Let's, let's, let's move on. Let's talk about fantasy football. Okay. Real quick. Let's uh, we're talking about rookies in fantasy football. You got three that you like? Yeah. Um, so I love, Obviously, I'll stay a homer here and go with uh, Nikhil Harry. Just I think yeah, in that Patriot it. offense, um, I'm, I actually got two Patriot players, but um, Nikhil <laughs> Harry's number one. Right. I just think he he fits such a huge role um, for what they need. Without Gronkowski, he's going to be their red zone threat. So, you know, I think that that's going to be. I mean, just hands down, he's easily to me a guy that can catch. I'll say this: if if Gordon doesn't come back, if Gordon comes back, I don't know if there'll be enough targets. But if Gordon yeah. doesn't come back, I think he could be a hundred, a thousand guy this year with with right. ten touchdowns, um, yep. just because of need. He has he went to an he went to the ideal situation where he's not trapped behind anybody and he's going to a prolific offense. I there's yep. no and, and on a good team like there's just not a better fit for a guy. So Absolutely. I liked him a lot um, for fantasy. Yeah, let me just say I'm real not, quick about Nen Kill and Nen Kill Harry. He broke 38 tackles in his three seasons with the uh, with Arizona State, and he also recorded 515 yards after the catch just last year. I mean, the guy is a great, great target, you know, and you cannot yeah. bring him down after the catch. So Brady gets him the ball anywhere, he'll make it happen. That's he, that's a fantasy producer right there. Go ahead. Right. Sorry. People, people, no, no, I, I, great insight. And, like, people – and that you know, goes to my point that people – the big knock on him is his lack of separation and, and, you know, top end speed. And it's just like, I mean, that's just earmarks for the Patriot offense. So I'll actually call him one a, cause I, I just thought of another one. I want to go through quickly. I'll call him one a, uh, one B okay. 
with the other Patriots is Damian Harris. The Patriots last year resorted to having to hand the ball up to, to James Devlin multiple times on the goal line because Sony Michelle and James White just cannot run it and pick up a yard if they need to. And <laughs> Rex Burkhead can, when, like we saw in the playoffs, but Rex Burkhead misses eight games a year. I think Damian Harris is going to be an absolute touchdown vulture in New England this year, very similar mm-hmm. to LeGarrette Blunt two years ago when he had the 18 touchdowns. I'm, let's be clear, I'm not predicting anywhere near that for him. But would I be surprised if he's a guy that rushes for 400 yards and eight touchdowns this year? And if you're in a deep dynasty league, that's worth it. That's a worth a pick to me. So I'll put him on uh, on the list too. Um, yep. Quickly, I mentioned this guy earlier, DK Metcalf, just because yeah. of the Russell Wilson connect. Doug Baldwin seems like he's breaking down. Metcalf fits that offense perfectly because you have all the underneath stuff. You got a guy who loves to to just you know be a magician back there, eluding tackles and you know the the inevitable pass rush that the Seahawks can never slow down. Um, and Metcalf just flying down the field, you know, while, while DBs get tired, seems like a great fit. So um, yep. he's my other one. And then for a, a deep late round sneak play, if he can get healthy, if he can come into camp and beat out a couple of the guys there, um, I love Bryce Love. I've been a big Bryce Love wow. fan for a while. Kind of down year this year in Stanford, coming back, going to play. Uh, he's drafted by the Redskins. If you don't believe in Bryce Love and you don't, think that there's a chance that he could beat out anything go read out some of the reports out there about how pissed off Darius Geis is that they drafted Bryce Love so <laughs> when when the, when the guy who was just drafted last year is pissed off and nervous about this kid that tells you something huge yep. huge injury concerns hopefully he can carve out a role but if he can carve out a role again I'm talking deep dynasty uh leagues where you need where you need some deep rookie stashes if that's a guy you can grab in like your third or fourth round of your rookie draft I love Bryce yep. Love for that role yeah and I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and I'm going to tag on there because, you know, generally for me, uh, rookies in fantasy football, I generally like to have running backs because they have a, the best chance, in my opinion, to have fantasy impact. I mean, the guys you talked about were in good situations, so I totally believe those guys are great pe- great targets as well. But when it comes to running backs, I think they have an easier path to production as a, as a rookie. So I like Josh Jacobs. I mean, I don't, I don't like the, the draft picks per se, although I think it is important for them to get a lead back there. Now there's no Marshawn Lynch. Um, and he's a, he's a potential three down back. You know, he averaged 5.3 yards per rush, uh, caught 20 passes in his final uh, season. Um, you know, and I think he's pretty solid. He's a solid guy. And I think he could be a, he could be a number two, number three uh, um, running back in your, in your draft. And, and in dynasty leagues, he could be a real monster because uh, there's lots of room for production in Oakland. I actually really like Miles Sanders. He was uh, behind Saquon Barkley at Penn State, so he didn't, nobody really talked about him much. He didn't get a lot of wear on the tread because he really sat behind him for two years. Um, he averaged 5.8 yards per rush. He had 24 catches just last season. I think he's, he's pretty solid in the Philadelphia Eagles. They got a mess. <laughs> they have like a like 20,000 running backs there, including the fact they got they traded for Jordan Howard. But um, I think he has a chance to really stand out there and be really solid there. So, And for Dynasty, I love him. I think he's going to be fantastic. Uh, Eagles offense, very prolific. And then a great offensive line. Uh, and then, of course, I don't want to be late to the party again. You had Jordan Howard tagged. I did. I didn't. wasn't a huge believer. He went on to produce. I became a believer, and then he didn't produce. And now I'm stuck with a Jordan Howard jersey, which I can't use. So David Montgomery. I'm gonna go say David Montgomery is another guy I would target. I think that he's gonna. He's he's in some ways um, um, better than Jordan Howard. Uh, I think that he. Uh, has a lot of versatility, uh, 4.7 yards per rush average, 13 touchdowns on the ground. He also had 22 passes uh, that he caught as a receiver um, last season. So he uh, pretty solid all the way around, can be part of a uh, committee with Tariq Cohen. Uh, and I think he can be the early part of that committee 
So I think uh, David Montgomery has a path to production there. And I'll throw in one more bonus guy, wide receiver, and only because of the situation. You know, Tyreek Hill looks like his future might be in doubt now. But Cole Hardman was drafted by the uh, by the Kansas City Chiefs. He's not a big, you know, wide out that was, you know, he didn't top anybody's top list or anything. But the situation there to be productive in a Kansas City Chiefs offense, um, you know, Mahomes and everything they got going there. And he's a real speedster out of Georgia. Uh, he, uh, you know, he could end up with a lot of targets. And I think that in that explosive uh, offense, take a flyer on McCall Hardman. I think that he might be really good, particularly if Hill is uh, is off the team or suspended or can't play next season. All right. We're at the end of the show. I know we, I got to get you out of here so you can make it, you can make the, the start of the Kentucky Derby, putting your bets and to start your pregame. So, Hey, let's go ahead and ring the air horn on the show. All right, Ryan, give us your Yeah, social ring media. the air horn, baby. Yeah, there um, you go. It's social media. <laughs> social media, where you can find out that while I actually like Mikeel Hardman as a prospect, the fact that he was drafted in the second round means that Kansas City can take their draft and blast it to the moon. A horrible <laughs> job. Should it, That guy was going to go in the fifth round if they didn't take him in the second round. Stupid. With that said, uh, that that's called drafting for need, not for uh, not 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 making pl- uh, or not based on value. So, you know, right. good job, Pioli. Right. That's, true. Um, that's true. But you fantasy so players can take me, though. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, he's he, he has a good fantasy upside for sure. So that wasn't a knock on your pick there. Just uh, I just wanted to take a dig at the Chiefs. Um, but yep. you can follow me on Twitter at Ryan Whitfield N E, and uh, yeah, that's. No, nothing else at Ryan with yeah, no, no, nothing else to talk. So, and you can follow me at FB Garbage Time. Once again, thanks very much for wasting time with us. Until next time, enjoy the Kentucky Derby and enjoy the NHL playoffs and enjoy the NBA playoffs and all the fun stuff that's going on right now. And we'll get back with more NFL news in a week or two, right? There we go. Go Blackhawks, go Bulls. <laughs> man, that's low, man. Ha, ha, ha.